The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, Bully Ray and I talk all about war games from last night, top to bottom. What an entertaining show. We talk about the two war game matches, and honestly, my favorite match and Bully's favorite match, and it wasn't one of the war games match. We'll tell you exactly what that match was and everything that happened Sunday night right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Candice LeRae, again, I, I'm sure we'll get confirmation this morning, but it sounds like she may have a broken arm because of the action that took place last night. Triple H talked about it after on Facebook Live after the show last night, Bullies, and that's an example of, you know, when you have those types of matches, the things that can happen inside that ring. Lots of bad things can happen. That's why you have to be ultra ultra safe you know when Shotzi did that senton off the top of the ladder she landed pretty damn flush on Candace you're not supposed to land that flush so when you're doing things like that it's very important for the person who's jumping off the top of the ladder let's say Shotzi weighs what 120 pounds yeah 125 pounds right Yep. But when you're jumping off that ladder, gravity makes you a lot heavier. Trust me, ask Dreamer. Um, <laughs> um, so that's probably about 150, 175 pounds coming on you. And Candace is a tiny little girl. And you could tell right away that she was banged up and that there was something wrong with her wrist or her arm. I hope, uh, I hope she's okay, although reports are maybe broken wrist, broken arm. I don't know. But you got to be a little bit more careful on that. That was uh, that was a lot of body coming down on that other body. You got to try to hit that senton the right way. My my point in saying this is, mistakes happen and they will happen. And if a mistake happens, it doesn't want to. I, you don't want it to happen because of incompetence. You don't want it to happen because somebody just decided to throw their body, uh, you know, out there and was worried about well. If I'm okay, that's all that matters. You want everybody to be okay all of the time. It's one of the things, um, just a quick example, TLC, one, two, three. Everybody was okay all of the time. Yep, some bumps, some bruises here and there, but for the most part, everybody came out well. 
that's what you want to happen uh, in matches like that. You just don't want to throw your body to the wind. I see a lot of young wrestlers doing that, Dave. I don't know if you see it. They just kind of throw their body out there hoping for the best, whether that's people doing dives and not diving long enough or not diving short enough or dives over the top ropes where you see guys splat. We've seen Keith Lee do some plancha over the top rope and just splat on the floor because he's come up short. You really want to make sure when you're doing moves like that that can be dangerous you're doing them to the absolute best of your ability with your opponent's best interest in mind and i gotta thank bully and and you know obviously in the type of match that we saw last night so much is going on you're in a cage there's two rings there's bodies everywhere and then you add you know these weapons like ladders and tables and chairs and and some of the other thing cricket bats and hammers and and there and there's camera people in the ring as well which you got to look out for too which was crazy you know where you saw camera people you know almost some of the wrestlers tripped over camera people while they were wrestling last night during those matches like there's so like you, I mean, I don't know how you do it. Like, I honestly don't know how you can plan out a match. Hey, this is what we want to accomplish. And then you add all those elements. I, I'm surprised you don't get more injuries in the ring with matches like we saw last night. Well, I'm glad that we don't get more injuries. Um, yeah. Hopefully, Candice is okay. Once again, I thought the girls did a phenomenal job. Uh, 100% effort for all, from all of them. It was the match that I was most looking forward to last night but before we went to break i told you about the one spot or the one use of weapons that i wasn't too particularly fond of you told me to simmer now i'm at a boil so what do you want to do you want to take the lid off the pot or not i I like how you said that let's take the lid off that one weapon that you did not want to be a part of that match last night so let me let me go in order here shotzi blackheart comes in the ring and she brings in a tire iron yes and a toolbox yes dave if you were entering a cage or war games and you brought in a tire iron and a toolbox what would you do with that tire iron and that toolbox i would i would use it i mean you're if you're going to bring in a weapon you better be prepared to use it but what did Shotzi do with it? She just dumped it. <laughs> she just dumped it onto the onto the mat. Like she didn't use it. Ed Robinson chimes in and goes, "Wasn't it a crowbar? Yeah, crowbar tire iron isn't the same thing. Or am I missing something here? You're getting very technical, Ed. It's Monday morning. You know, still a little foggy from the weekend. Just because you've been up since four a.m. doing Hindu squats and did it's a, a small different 5K. crowbar and a tire iron are yeah. different. They are tire different. iron it, to loosen the lug nuts off of the." Off the tire there. The I'm going to loosen your bottom. lug nuts in a second there, buddy. <laughs> crowbar was the primary was weapon in, in the Half-Life video game series. Crowbar was in WCW. All right. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, he brings in a, a crowbar. They bring in a crowbar. They don't use, she don't use it. She doesn't use it. She just dumps like, it onto why the do you, Why do you bring this in just to throw it in the corner? I know the idea is to get the weapon in the ring, but you could have come up with a way to get it in there more constructively. Or you could have went to use it right off the bat. Or at least showed intent. There was no intent. So that was a disconnect for me. I would never bring a weapon in the ring if I wasn't going to use it immediately. Especially when it was legal, I guess, for me to use it immediately. Well, I, but really quick, the whole the whole concept, and, and listen, I'm not saying it's positive or negative. It was completely different than what you're used to seeing. 
first of all, you know, the babyface team had the advantage. You know, usually it's the heels that have the advantage. That was not the case. The babyface team had the advantage. And then Shotzi brought in the toolbox and and the and the tire iron or the crowbar before any other weapons were introduced. So it's like, again, it's so odd to see that the babyface team has the advantage, but also the babyface team is the one that's introducing, you know, the weapons into the match. That's like, that's so against like what we normally see. It's usually the heels that have the advantage and then the heels that introduce the weapons into the match. Completely the opposite in what we saw last night. I would have much preferred to see a more tit-for-tat scenario where the first heel would have brought a weapon in the ring, and then the second heel would have brought a weapon in the ring, and then maybe the one of the babyface gets smart, and they go under the ring, and they bring something in so they can now right the wrong. And on announce, they could have been like, <clears throat> you know, bringing weapons into the war games, although legal is, you know, frowned upon, or, you know, or whatever, something like that to show me that when the baby faces bring a weapon in the ring, it, it it's for a reason. Baby faces should want to go in there and win with their with their fists and their fists only. I'm going in there to beat you up, ram your face into the cage and maul you and maim you. I still haven't gotten to the part that I didn't like yet. Here it comes. Okay, go ahead. The Rhea Ripley hammer spot. Rhea Ripley is about five foot ten. Had a mini sledgehammer in her hand. And hit Dakota Kai with it twice. Yeah, I know she right away she hit her she hit her in the stomach with it right off the bat. Yeah. And then she cracked her in the back, like high on the back, like cervical vertebrae high on the back. I don't know about you or what your suspension of disbelief is like, but when I see a, an Amazon like Rhea Ripley hit a tiny girl like Dakota Kai in the back with a mini sledgehammer, I'm kind of thinking Dakota Kai should be out for the rest of the match. Probably. Now, what consequences did that hammer shot have on Dakota Kai for the rest of the match? Not real, not much at all. I mean, so she why back do up it? So why do it in the first place? Well, I mean, that, you that's got no we, mileage out of it. Well, that nothing got mileage out of it. If you think about it, bully, because again, think about it. The, the baby face team had the advantage in the war games match, right? Shotzi Blackheart. So now you're going in. So it's two against one. It's two against one. Shotzi Blackheart decided, Hey, I'm going to bring in a toolbox and a crowbar, even though we have a two, one advantage against Dakota Kai. Doesn't seem it seems odd that the babyface team has the advantage, but yet still feel the need to bring in weapons in the match. And like you said, you bring in a weapon. Why? Why are you bringing a weapon if you're just going to put it in the corner? Who does that? I'm going to bring in this weapon. I'm going to use it later. Maybe I might need it later on. And then you talk about the hammer. You got Rhea Ripley, who is, you know, if you look at size advantage and everything else, she has the advantage probably over anybody. In that, in that, when you talk about experience, what she's gone through, the perception, size, all of that, and she uses the hammer. And again, it really doesn't have any consequences in the match. And then at the end of the day, the baby face team loses. I mean, it almost seems like everything should have been in reverse when you look at this match. Think about it. The, the heels should have had the advantage. 
the heels should have brought in the weapons. And at the end of the day, even though the heels had the advantage and they brought in the weapons, the baby face team wins it in the end. The opposite happened in that match when it comes to everything when it comes to baby face versus heel. Maybe last night's match took place in Bizarro World, where everything is backwards. Maybe. I don't know. I can hear people right now listening going, well, how did Bully and Dave love this pay-per-view so much and love the women's war game so much, and they're, they're complaining about this already? These are little things that should have been done differently. The women's war game match was very entertaining. The entire pay-per-view was very entertaining. But these are little sticking points that I feel it's our job to discuss. Not only should we discuss, but get the opinion of the nation, see how they felt about it. I'm sorry, if I see a woman the size and the st- a woman the size and stature of Rhea Ripley hitting a woman the size and stature of Dakota Kai with a mini sledgehammer in the back, that girl should have been out for the entire match. And then I look at the scope of the match and realize that it was inconsequential and it meant nothing to the match. So why did you even do it in the first place? You used a mini sledgehammer as a spot for the sake of a spot. Why? Let me take a mini sledgehammer and hit you in the back, Dave, and see what happens. Yeah, I'm not getting back up. Now, a lot of people are thinking that we were going to talk about the garbage can spot with Io Shirai off the top of the cage. And believe it or not, I had no problem with that at all because that's the kind of spot that you see in that type of a match that makes you go ooh and ah. Hey, she puts the garbage cans overhead. She's smiling as she's doing it. It's almost like it's a it's a joke here. And then she dives on top of everybody. That's the because you're gonna get one or two of those spots during this type of a match. And I'm totally fine with it. But like it's those other little things like the, like you said, like with the hammer and some of the other things that went on in the match that just a disconnect. And I'll say this unnecessary. You need a mat. You need a spot like the garbage can in a match like that. It's a crash and burn type of a match, bully. So you you expect something like that. But there's these little things that just were not necessary and didn't need to happen at all because it didn't benefit anyone at the end of the day. Uh, I agree with that assessment. The garbage can spot did not bother me. I probably would have. Uh, suggested it a little different like hold the garbage can in front of your body and do the big dive onto everybody you're using it like more of a battering ram while you land as opposed to covering up your own eyes i mean what if she would have put the garbage can over her eyes and everybody would have just parted like the red sea and she would have went splat on the floor she would have looked really stupid then wouldn't she yeah but so but I can kind of get around that. That's creative liberty right there. That's creative license right there. Like you said, I'm sorry, but hitting hitting another person in the back with a sledgehammer, that's not creative liberty or creative license. Unless that would have been the finish. Like, if that was the finish, I'd have no problem with it. Like, okay, that was the finish of the match. Or if that would have been the spot that took Dakota Kai out for the rest of the match, okay, now I get it. Do I think Rhea Ripley needs to use a sledgehammer to take out somebody like Dakota Kai? Absolutely not. So that's an aspect of the match that I did not love. I wish they would have put that under a microscope and thought about it a little more. They didn't. still didn't take away from the overall match to me. I got to tell you, Raquel Gonzalez, I was really impressed with her, her strength, her 
stability and her balance in that final spot of the match where Io goes for a Rana through the ladder. Raquel's standing on two separate ropes, two separate rings, maintains her balance. Io's weight is hanging from around uh, Raquel's neck. She's able to stabilize herself. She's able to pick EO back up. She's able to gain control of her safely. She's able to peek around to see where the ladder is and then single arm power bombs him through through the la- her through the ladder quite perfectly. That is an example of how everything is done right in a spot as opposed to the mistake that could have happened with Shotzi and Candice. At no point did I see Raquel Gonzalez just throw Io haphazardly. She made sure she had control of her at all times. She knew she had Io's life in her hands and was going to protect her and make the spot look as devastating as possible. Great job right by Raquel Gonzalez and Io Shirai in the body of that move to finish the match. And and bully, you talk about, you know, star power. I'll say this. My entire family watched that match last night. Like, everybody was coming in and, in and out of the living room. And Shotzi Blackheart, right off the bat, grabbed my stepdaughter's attention and my wife's attention to the point where Violetta was on Wikipedia trying to find out more information about Shotzi Blackheart. She is a star. And she has that it factor. She, her character and her personality grabs you instantly, and they wound up watching the entire match, and they loved it. I never thought I'd see the day where my entire family would be sitting in the living room watching a wrestling match, and they did that with that opening contest. So for that alone, you know, a tip of the cap to NXT. But for me, Bully, the next match was the match of the night. Hey everyone, this is Lisa Ann and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. For me, the match of the night, and I, I think you will agree, Bully, was the second contest from TakeOver last night, and that was Champa and Thatcher. I mean, you want to talk about an old-school NWA match? That's what I felt like I was watching when I was watching those two in the ring last night. Keywords in the ring. That match happened in the ring. I, I don't remember. They may have went outside for a brief second. Did they? I don't remember them doing that last night. I'm sure somebody but, will correct us. But if they did, it wasn't memorable. And it, it wasn't not memorable at all. Yeah. In the ring. That wrestling match, that fight happened in the ring. And that it's what is what it's supposed to look like. Now. Is it supposed to be like that all the time? Because it was very snug. It was very stiff. Those guys were really laying their stuff in. Ciampa is notoriously snug. Um, Snug is good, especially when both guys are on the same page and Thatcher can handle it. A wrestling match. A fight where every little movement Every move, every transition, every hold, everything meant something. 
Nothing is just done for the sake of doing it. Nothing was thrown away. That's that's what I love to see. Because I come on the show and I talk about registering and selling and the lack of. I didn't see that last night. There was some people bitching that after the widow's peak and the one, two, three, that Thatcher was kind of alert a little too quickly. Okay, maybe. But for the most part, both of those guys were down after the one, two, three. It's not like you saw Champa jumping up in the air. Woohoo, look, I won. No, he was down on the cell too. Both guys down, rolling to the apron, sitting up kind of at the same time, almost looking at each other with a mutual respect. That is what a great wrestling match should be. So now, if those guys threw in a flip or a dive, it would have meant much more because we got that great in-ring fight from the two of them. The psychology of that match worked. The story of that match worked. Everything worked. What stood out to me with a match like that, Dave, is... Wow, these are the type of matches we don't get in AEW, yeah. right? Yeah, most. I mean, so, you know, you you could, but I, 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 to me, bully. What we saw last night, I, I don't know if you're seeing that anywhere in the landscape of pro wrestling to the extent of what we saw with Champa and Thatcher last night. You know, New Japan a little bit in MLW. Cesaro can do it. He, 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 he I, I think there's a, a, a laundry list of wrestlers that could do it. It just, are they given the opportunity? By the way, there, there was a little spillover uh, outside the ring. Uh, you know, uh, Thatcher had the guillotine choke on Champa. Champa kind of pushed him outside the ring to break the hold. And then, you know, Thatcher was obviously got back into the ring before the count of 10. But that, I think that was the only time that the, uh, the action spilled to the outside of the ring. But pushing him to the outside to break the hold works in the psychology of the match. We're not just going to the floor for the sake of going to the floor so I can whip you into a barricade and do the same old, you know, crap that every other match is going to do. It actually fits in the body of the match because it made sense. I have to break the hold. What am I going to do? I'm going to push this guy to the outside. The ref's going to start to have to count. And then I and then the hold will be broken. I, you know what the my favorite part of that match was, Bully, was the very beginning. You know, because they were chain wrestling. You know, yep. you're, you're seeing arm drags and wrist locks at the beginning of that. Like, that, that's honestly, like, if you go old school, and, and I know I'm old school, and I know this has evolved into something a little bit different, but it's refreshing to see a match like this. That's usually how things would start. You would have the chain wrestling. You would have tech, a technical wrestling match, and then at some point it would get heated to the point where it would grow into something a little bit different. I love the fact that there was a respect between these two. They don't like each other, but there's a respect between these two, and they want to earn each other's respect, and they want to show how good they are over the other. So they start the match with good old-fashioned chain wrestling. That was so refreshing to see last night. And what was the difference between that good old-fashioned chain wrestling that you might have seen 30 years ago as opposed to that good old-fashioned old-fashioned chain wrestling that you saw last night? There really wasn't no, there really was no difference. I and you know what I was thinking in the back of my mind is that and we've talked about this before. Triple H is a, 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 a like is obsessed and loves that mid-80s NWA pro wrestling. And you saw that element 
100% in that match between Champa and Thatcher. But it wasn't just, I don't want to say it was just a reflection of old school NWA because they added a lot of new school elements to it. And it was a lot stiffer than what you would probably see in an old school NWA match as well. So it wasn't just like, all right, this is our homage to NWA wrestling to the 80s. They brought a lot of new elements into that match, which made it that much more exciting. So you saw a lot of old school rules and new school tools in the body of that match. I thought there was a very definitive difference to the chain wrestling at the opening of that match. And the difference was the level of physicality. It wasn't that physical back in the day. It was more of an old school, quote unquote, work where the where the where the boys worked a lot lighter. There is no light when it comes to Thatcher and Ciampa. That was a much more aggressive style. When I see them both on the mat and Thatcher wrenching on oh. uh Ciampa's leg and Ciampa trying to rip at Thatcher's eyes but Thatcher cinches in the hole a little more wow did that look great that little moment in time that people probably take for granted and like ah they're not doing 450s it doesn't matter man that mattered to me more than anything else what a great little moment to show the struggle to show if i bend your your leg this way it's going to cause you pain like that's the stuff that i really really enjoy now if you throw in all of that extra stuff To me, that extra stuff means even more because the fundamentals and the basics and the foundation of what this fight is supposed to be was there first. How about to the the point where like uh, Thatcher has a headlock on Champa and and the commentators are saying that they they think Champa might even submit and tap to a headlock bully. Like you just see him cinch it in. The the expression on both their face, the groaning. I mean... Because you know what, if 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 Timothy Thatcher has a headlock on you, it's gonna hurt like hell. Supposed to. When this art form is done the right way, everything means something. When you would watch Bret Hart, Chris Benoit, Eddie, Dean, did you ever see any superfluous movement or things that didn't mean anything? No. Every every move, every hold meant something. And what what are these guys trying to do with every hold that's applied? They're trying to win. Wear down or win. So it's not like I'm just grabbing a side headlock because, oh, this is the way we start the match with a side headlock. No, I'm going to grab a side headlock and cinch it in so well that I'm going to try to win with this side headlock. That's the idea. That's why you got a side headlock, isn't it? You got a side headlock because you wanted to squeeze that guy's head so much that he would just say, I give up, I tap out. But it's these things that we take for granted. If you're going to arm drag somebody and you're going to keep that arm bar on them, you want to wrench that arm bar back so hard that you think the other guy's arm is going to break and you're going to try to get him to tap out. Unfortunately, in today's pro wrestling, we see all of this movement that just looks like, okay, well, we have to do this, and then we have to do this, and we'll make this look good, and we'll do a little bit of... If you're going to apply something, if you're going to do something, if you're going to try to get something, moves, holds, there should be a reason 
for everything. Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Why don't we go to the next match that we saw on TakeOver last night, and that is Dexter Loomis against Cameron Grimes in a strap match, Bully. What did you think of that last night? You know, I, I, I took a look on the old Twitter machine uh, right after the match. Uh, Sean Waltman, Xbox, the one, two, three kid, he went on um, he went on record to say it was the best strap match that he'd ever seen, or at wow. least one of the best strap matches that he's ever seen. I thought those guys did a great job. And the one thing that stuck out to me was Dexter Loomis is like he sells like one of those old school heels. When he gets hit, it like means something. He like his whole body comes off the canvas. He really does a great job of showing you how great he's getting his ass kicked. Did I just say Dexter Loomis? I meant Cameron Grimes. Grimes does a great job of being that old school heel where you want to see him get beat up. You want to see Grimes get whipped. You want to see all of this bad stuff happen to him. And I think he did a fantastic job again. I think both guys did a great job, but there's something about Grimes and I've been singing his praises for a long time now. He plays his role perfectly. Yeah. And listen, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, you know, because when it comes to Cameron Grimes, Cameron Grimes has been great. You know, Dexter Loomis, there's not a lot of depth to either one of those characters right now. So, like, when it comes to the emotional investment in the match, like we saw, you know, earlier and, and definitely later on in the show when it came to the main event, I didn't really get that. But if you're talking about, like, just the art of selling and, you know, Cameron Grimes being that next-level talent, you definitely showcase. I just worry about Cameron Grimes a little bit, Bully. Because, again, you kind of took this journey with me, you know, since he left Impact and became a part of NXT. I was never the biggest Cameron Cameron Grimes fan. I wasn't a fan of his, you know, when he was with Impact. And when he started with NXT, I wasn't. But you really sold me on him. You've been, you've been a fan since day one. And I can understand it now. I see those elements. I'm just a little worried that he's becoming too much of, like, a joke. Where this is a guy that now I can buy into being in a main event match. I can buy a lot more from Cameron Grimes. So I'm I'm just worried about the usage of his character. But those are small things because when you see him in the ring, he definitely does a great job of pre- uh, presenting himself well. He definitely portrays that chicken shit heel a lot. And when you're a chicken shit heel like that, um, especially in today, it's hard to keep your heat. So they're going to have to get, have him get on the stick or have him do something where he can get some of that heat back because he took a good ass kicking last night. Now, probably the biggest thing is what came right after that match, Bully, and that is, you know, Vic Joseph and Wade Barrett are talking. They're they're promoting the War Games toy. I never would imagine that that would have been a toy that you could buy, and I'm 49 years old, and I'm going to have to get it. But the lights go out, and then you see the crow. You hear the tick-tock. I mean, boom. 
it's like, sting oh yeah. no sorry at first i was like at first i think most people are like what what the hell's going on here well it was a vulture not a crow yeah sorry it was a vulture because i see a lot of vultures outside you know because i live on top of the mountain i see a lot of vultures outside my house bully but we are going to get the return sometime somewhere of carrying cross and this is what kind of boggled my mind neither one nothing Vic Joseph and Wade Barrett didn't mention him by name. They were like, oh, what, what was that? Uh, 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 we got to go now. There's a vulture here. Like, how did you not? I mean, you, the last thing you heard was TikTok in the guy's voice. Yeah. You heard TikTok so I, in the background. Yep. Yeah. I, I guess uh, I guess they didn't want to acknowledge it. But yeah, uh, Cross coming back and Scarlet coming back is going to be good for NXT. Yeah. And, and, and listen, like, you know, you talk about somebody with, you know, Winning that championship, what a great moment at a takeover. Um, and then the injury took place. But, you know, when he comes back, it's going to be big. I think I think NXT needs him at this point. Again, and we'll get into this a little bit later in the show. I don't know if people are going to move around. They got, that, they got that big New Year's show that's coming up at the beginning of the month. And that's going to be on TV. That's going to be on Wednesday. So that's kind of their their answer to winter is coming from AEW. And you're going to get a big show. I'm guessing we're going to see Karrion Cross on that show. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of eyes on that Wednesday night show as well, Bully. Uh, I hope there's lots of eyes on it. I hope there's eyes on the, every single one of these shows every week. Speaking of eyes on product, uh, you know, we were talking about that, you know, last week's AEW. With uh, the surprise of Sting, AEW pulled in 916,000 viewers. Yep. What do you think of that as a rating? I think that's very good. Hi, this is Adam Shine. The Adam Shine Podcast is back for another football season. I'll give you my passionate, hard-hitting takes every week, including picks against the spread and fantasy football advice, all while talking to the biggest guests in all the sports, celebrities, media personalities, diehard football fans on a weekly basis. It's the Adam Shine Podcast with new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. You can listen to the podcast anytime on the SiriusXM app, iTunes, Pandora, and with Stitcher. And we still have to continue to talk about the rest of that show because the one match we haven't talked about is the match for the NXT North American Championship with Leon Ruff, Johnny Gargano, and Damian Priest. And I thought they told one hell of a story. And again, the surprise with, I guess, one of the uh, 10 scream, you know, scream killers that were outside the ring. Austin Theory makes his return and helps Johnny Gargano win that NXT North American Championship last night. It was definitely a good three-way match. I liked Ruff uh, uh, being taken out and then coming back, Spirit of 76. I got to tell you, though, they to me, the rules need to change on these three-way matches because there was entirely too much interference for me. It's 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 a world championship match. Um, if, if somebody does something to get themselves DQ'd and counted out, well, then it should just turn into a singles match where singles match rules apply. I mean, how many times are guys going to get involved and run in? I mean, it's a three-way. There's no – like, why are there no DQs? Why? If a guy decides to bring a pipe in the middle of the match and use it, why can't he just get DQ'd and now we go down to a singles match where singles match rules apply? That would be more credible in my eyes for a championship match. Not that we're just going to let this guy run in. If I'm in a three-way 
and I for a championship, and I know that there's no rules. Well, how about I just call all my friends, and all my friends show up and beat the crap out of the other two guys? I mean, come on. Yeah, and and you know what? Like, you can just have it if you know if 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 the champion gets disqualified, he loses the championship title. There's ways around it that make it a little bit more interesting. And listen, if you would have told me that Johnny Gargano was going to win the NXT North American Championship, then Johnny Gargano would have been, I, I would have thought, would have been on my power rankings because we talked about the power rankings. But to me, it wasn't really a credible win. It was more about like these ghost face characters and there was a ton of them. And I get Austin Theory was one of them and it plays into the story and it's understandable. Well, who who is everybody else? You know, like, and then Damian Priest is outside the ring. We said this about Retribution. He's outside the ring. He knocks all those Ghostface characters on there. Why isn't he trying to pull off the masks to find out who they are? Like, again, that's a that's a disconnect to me a little bit. Major. Yeah, so. Major I, disconnect. It, it took a, a lot. That, again, took a lot away. If you wanted to just have the one Ghostface character be in Austin Theory to show his presence, but did you really need, like, so many outside the ring? It, I, for me, I get the story he was telling. It took away for, from the match for me last night especially with the story that was there for me if you would have just had the one ghost face killer show up and it would have been austin theory fine great there's your there's your there's your run-in and now we don't have to have a hundred other run-ins in front of a referee where it just for me it takes away from the match i would love to see the wwe rethink the rules of their three-way dances yeah and and again you mentioned the pipe like you know, like one of those ghost face characters hits Damian Priest in the back with the pipe. And 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 obviously he went down for the count. He was out. Like, come on now. Like, seriously, we're gonna we're gonna let all that stuff take place in a championship match? Yeah, like, why? Just because it's a three way? That makes no sense. I'm sorry. That that yeah, that's complete that's complete disconnect. I actually like the story between Damian Priest and Leon Ruff, because Damian Priest is like in the corner of Leon Ruff. He feels good that Leon Ruff has had some success, but all right, back off, kid. Now we're talking about a championship match, and he's trying to win the match. He's like, Leon, you're getting in my way. Like, stand back, all right? Get out of the way. Like, I really like that dynamic a lot, because Damian Priest, he he supports a Leon Ruff to a point. To a point, but now it's time for the big boys to play, and you need to step aside. And I like Leon Ruff; like he's trying to get credibility here. That's to me. That's what the match was about last night. And then Johnny Gargano, being the ultimate heel, finds a way to win. That would have. That's the story they should have told. Austin Theory. I don't know. To me, Justin saw didn't see it coming. I kind of saw that coming from a mile away. Bully, we mentioned that as soon as he did the "I quit," we kind of were like, "All right, Austin Theory is probably this one is probably this ghost face character." Like to me, I saw it coming from a mile away. It was more of a distraction than anything else. That could have happened down the line on a, on a, on an NXT Wednesday night in this championship match. Probably should have gone another way. I didn't mind Austin Theory getting involved last night. I just wish there wasn't so much other interference. It did absolutely nothing for me. It did nothing for uh, Priest that he was able to ward off a couple of guys. It's too many distractions, too many blatantly disregard of rules. Um, but the three guys involved in the match did a great job. Leon Ruff continues 
to move forward. You know, I got a tweet last night. Just want to get your opinion on this. Do you think NXT is, for lack of a better word, punishing or or making an example of somebody like Leo Rush with Leon Ruff? Um, it's funny because there is a lot of similarities as far as like the size and the, the underdog character. Um, I think Leo, uh, you know, Leo rush would have probably have been in this position, maybe wrestling for an NXT North American championship. Um, and then the name so close Leon Ruff and Leo rush. I mean, it's hard to not see the similarities, um, especially the, the size, the way they wrestle too. Um, it's, it's, it's a possibility. I'm not going to say definitively, but it, it is a bit of a conspiracy theory that we could have fun with for sure. It just popped up last night. I said, uh, on a tweet and I was like, Hmm, this is interesting. I wonder what LaGreca thinks of it. And, and Leo Rush again, I, again, I think back in the wrestling game, it wasn't that long ago. I think he wanted to pursue a career being a rapper kind of gave up his career in professional wrestling, was auctioning off like his trunks and his boots and everything else and and kind of just did a an FU to a lot of people in the business that I think kind of tried to help him along the way. And then, you know, and then boom, here we are. Like, you know, he's back in the game in pro wrestling. I think I find that a little bit interesting as well. Whatever. Good match between those three guys last night. And, and by the way, Leo Rush, Pretty damn good wrestler, too. So, you know, we wish we definitely wish him well. So we got that match. But let's get into the main event, because, as I said, that's what everyone's talking about for multiple reasons. Bully that main event, one being Pat McAfee. You know, we had a couple of callers saying that he should have been on my power rankings. I'm seeing a lot of tweets about him being on my power rankings. He did lose the match. But you can't say anything bad about what he was able to do in that ring. And honestly, still looks good. Because like Lindsay said in an earlier call, Bully, you know, the kick out at two. I, there was multiple times I thought he was done. And I thought the story was kind of the undisputed era to get like their receipt in on Pat McAfee. And there was multiple times in the match I thought that they were. But each and every time he was able to sneak away. And continue to fight. First and foremost, phenomenal performance by Pat McAfee. I think he did a great job. Uh, if anybody questions his willingness to want to get in there, mix it up and be accepted and respected for putting his body on the line and willing to do just about everything else that the other guy's willing to do. Bravo, Pat McAfee. You did awesome. Uh, I did not like the fact that Pat McAfee, a professional football player, a punter, uh, a guy that is not uh, has been a pro wrestler for uh, a cup of coffee and a biscuit can go through a table and come back from it and kick out of uh, Panama Sunrise. I thought it was entirely too strong. I'm not saying you could not have done the table. I'm not saying you could not have done the Panama Sunrise. But coming back from both of them, I'm sorry, I can't buy into that. I have a hard enough time buying into it if it comes from a, a pro wrestler, especially the bump that he took through the table. You know, that's a pretty big bump, an ST plunge. He, he did a great job of doing it, but why would you put somebody like Pat McAfee through a table three quarters of the way through the match only to have him eventually get up and keep wrestling? Doesn't that spot mean something? 
it, shouldn't it hurt? To, but shouldn't it hurt much, Pat McAfee a lot more? Pat McAfee's body is not used to the bumps and the bruises and being calloused the way a pro wrestler's body is. That, that, that should have probably taken a lot more out of him. So I would have taken that bump and put it towards the back end of the match. A little bit more. Kicking out of the Tequila Sunrise, they're just doing it for the reaction and the pop. I probably would have stayed away from that. Um, those are the two things that I questioned. The moonsault spot where Pat McAfee put uh, one of the uh, Undisputed Era guys through the table. Got to give Matt, Pat a lot of credit, and, I, and I'll break down why. First of all, his execution of the moonsault in and of its own right, a very good moonsault, a very safe moonsault. Actually, earlier we had we heard Izzy said that she liked Pat McAfee's moonsault better than Io Shirai's. Io Shirai's moonsault is very reminiscent of Muda's moonsault in which it comes at you very quick and her legs come over the head very fast. We've seen EO catch a couple of talents with her knees. Yes. On the way down. And you can crack a rib, break a rib, smash a nose, anything. That mood salt. I'm not saying that EO does it wrong. Muda didn't do it wrong, and she does it just like Muda. It's just coming at you really, really fast. Pat did that floating moonsault. It looks good and it's a lot easier to take. Now. Hitting that moonsault and being able to put somebody through a table is not easy to do because when you're floating over the way Pat did, you actually aren't as heavy as the way when EO does it. EO comes at you like a dart. Pat is floating. So having somebody on the table, it's very easy to float over them on the table. Pat hit it perfectly. Great job by McAfee with his trajectory. Great guard with, dr- job with the execution of the move and getting up there and just doing it. Didn't think about it. Went up there, boom, hit the moonsault. Um, nothing but good things to say. Uh, I, yeah. I enjoyed the way he executed that move. He really did. I mean, he did an amazing job. And here's the thing. like, I thought going into that match that that might be the last time we see Pat McAfee, don't believe, but Pat McAfee has multiple careers going on in his life right now. And I thought like, hey, this is the perfect time for Undisputed Era to get their revenge on Pat McAfee. And there was that moment where everybody on Pat McAfee's uh, team was flat on their back in the second ring. And everybody in Undisputed Era is on their feet and they start beating the hell out of Pat McAfee. And I was like, all right, this is where we see them get their receipt on Pat McAfee. This is Pat doomed for Pat McAfee. He was a only Larkin got back up, caused the, the things to spill over, and Pat McAfee got out of it. You just mentioned uh, about with Pat McAfee getting hit by the Panama Sunrise. Like I thought that was it for Pat McAfee. Makes sense because you know Adam Cole again. It was the one that this is all started was between those two, and I thought that was going to be the three count. He kicks out at two. Then you see Adam Cole 
take his knee pad off. And all right, all right, here's where, because again, we saw Pat McAfee get the punt in. This is where uh, Adam Cole's going to get that knee to his head, and that's going to be the end of the match. But no, everybody was able to get back to their feet. He never was able to get that knee on Pat McAfee's head. At the end of the day, Pat McAfee was not pinned in this match, Bully. So you would have to think after what we saw last night, this is not the end of Pat McAfee on NXT. I think that from the performance that I've seen so far from him, obviously on the microphone, and with the physical performance that we saw from him last night, um, get some more reps under his belt training at the PC or privately, wherever he might be training, I think you probably could get a singles match out of McAfee and Cole. I, I, I think there's still legs to this. Um, I thought the guys did a great job last night. I thought the match was a little long. I thought there was a lot of gratuitous stuff. I hated the um, the uh, the cricket sticks. Uh, once again, all they needed in that match was tables. So what they have? Tables and cricket sticks? Or did yes. they bring something else in? They probably did. They, there was chairs in there. There was a there was a lot going on. The cricket sticks. I'm sorry, cricket sticks at the at the underneath the ring. You know, you, you kind of lose me on that one. Again, uh, if that was like if that was like a lethal lockdown and they brought it with them, okay, them hanging out underneath the ring, a little bit of a disconnect. Uh, yeah, all they needed last night were, were the tables. Uh, I think there was enough personality in that ring and enough story in that ring to carry it through, uh, especially with McAfee there. Um, I did like him bringing the tables in the ring and having the name, uh, everybody's name uh, written on it. Uh, that was very clever. Wonder where he got that from. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> no, I, and, you know, we talked about you should get a singles match between uh, Cole and McAfee, and I completely agree with you. This New Year's Evil show is coming up on January 6th, which is going to be on a Wednesday night. You want to pop a rating? You want to beat AEW? Your main event on the 6th of January should be Adam Cole against Pat McAfee. I'm not quite sure that that pops the rating you're looking for. Really? Yeah. Hmm, because I, I would think I'm, that, that I would be more I would be more excited for Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez than Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. Wow. Well that tells you uh the riches that NXT has right now. And also you're getting and, a returning carrying cross, by the way, too. And if you give me Cole and McAfee, you gotta give me some kind of stipulation. You got like I'd like to see Pat McAfee bleed. First blood with Cole and McAfee. You got to give me a reason to tune in. To, like, I've, I've seen McAfee get his ass kicked. He got his ass kicked last night. Do I want to see him get his ass kicked a little more? Sure. But what do I want to really see? Well, I want to see Pat McAfee go through a table where I got that last night. Well, I want to see Pat McAfee take Tequila Sunrise or Panama Sunrise or your sister's ass Sunrise. Well, I saw that last night. What do I want to see happen to Pat McAfee? I want to see Cole tell him, I'm going to make you bleed. Yeah, now I'm going to tune. I'm going to get some blood. I'm going to tune in. Yeah, I mean, listen. Red means Cole, green. Listen, uh, Pat McAfee has been able to take the best from Adam Cole and find his way to get back onto his feet. So if you, you're right. There needs to be some kind of stipulation attached to it. A first blood match isn't a bad one. And I do think that that would pop rating. It's interesting to say that you, you would rather see Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley. I don't think you're alone on that one, Bully. But again, with a returning carrying cross, Rhea Ripley and Gonzalez and Pat McAfee 
and Adam Cole. That's one hell of a show if they choose to have that on January 6th. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.